0: So has anyone sent out any Christmas letters this season? Any Christmas letter writers? Is this a, is this a thing gone by the wayside now that we can just tweet and Facebook our Christmas letters? I guess maybe Instagram your letters. But you remember when Christmas letter? We got about two this year in our house, and and Christmas letters are the time when when people give you the highlight show of the year, right? The here's all the good things that happened in the last 12 months. You never end up hearing about the bad things, right? Well, maybe except for surgeries. It seems like people like to tell you about their surgeries, this procedure and that procedure. And even there, with the surgeries, it becomes kind of one-upsmanship. Well, you know, I know you had a knee replacement, but I had a hip replacement, right? Right? I know you had an emergency appendectomy, but, you know, I had my tonsils out. But when we share these Christmas letters, or maybe even things on social media, it seems like sometimes we're we're trying to one-up our friends and family to, to give the appearance that our lives may be better than they really are. Or better, maybe, just than theirs sometimes it uh, sometimes it feels like our world is completely like that and, and we have to sometimes even feel like we step on other people in order to pull ourselves up and to push ourselves up. We have to push other people down and step on them to bring attention to ourselves. It certainly feels like that is a part of our world these days we 're constantly trying to To one-up one another, never conceding that maybe, just maybe, that someone might be more successful, more knowledgeable, more experienced, that someone else might have the right answer to the question or the problem. Well, today we're going to look at a a first-century Christmas letter. And it's from a book in the Bible called Titus. It's in the New Testament. It's hidden in the New Testament amongst these group of little letters called the pastoral letters. The Apostle Paul, who was a great missionary and church planter in the first century, wrote this group of pastoral letters, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And Titus was a protege of Paul, a companion, a partner in ministry. And main, his main ministry was on the island of Crete. And in fact, he ended up becoming the first bishop of Crete. And interestingly enough, our, our church has this thing called the lectionary. It's a cycle of, of scripture readings. It cycles every, uh, every year for three years. And every Christmas Eve... This scripture from Titus is on the readings. But I can just about guarantee that none of you have ever heard a Christmas Eve sermon on Titus, probably. I can guarantee that I have never preached a Christmas Eve sermon on Titus. In fact, Titus is one of those books in the Bible that you have to look at the table of contents to even figure out where it is. So let's look... At Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. It educates us so that we can live sensible, ethical, and godly lives. We can live sensible, ethical, and godly lives right now by rejecting ungodly lives and the desires of this world. At the same time, we wait for the blessed hope and the glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself up for us in order to rescue us from every kind of lawless behavior and cleanse a special people for himself who are eager to do good actions. Anybody ever heard that Christmas Eve reading? It's right up there with Luke 2, right? Peanuts should probably use the Titus reading instead of Luke two. It's a it's an interesting scripture, it's a different scripture for Christmas Eve, and yet it's a classic scripture in the Western Church. The grace of God. The grace of God is is said to be the undeserved, unmerited gift of salvation. For us and for the redemption of the entire world the entire creation and titus says the grace of god has appeared it is done it's a done deal it's it's unnecessary to be repeated unnecessary to be imitated it's unnecessary to be supplemented the grace of god has appeared and it's finished And Paul goes on to say to Titus that this grace of God is for all people, everyone. It echoes a little bit of what we heard in in the Luke 2, and when the angels come to the shepherds in the field, and they say, I bring you good news. I bring you good news for you, wonderful, joyous, awesome news. For all people. The grace of God has appeared for all people. And then Paul goes on to tell us that the grace of God has appeared in order to give us some teaching, in order to educate us, in order to instruct us, in order to teach us three things. Paul says that the grace of God has come to show us how to lead the sensible life. The sensible life. This, this is a, a life that is living in harmony, this idea of living in harmony with ourselves. The sensible life is, is, is self-focused. It's, it's a life of moderation. It's a life of being prudent and and a life of restraint and self control. Do you think our world needs a little self control? Yeah. In so many ways. The sensible life is centered around living in harmony with ourselves. Pastor McGray de Vega says this about the sensible life this way of living is the very means by which we can find inner harmony, inner peace despite all the internal focuses on war within us. Some of our most primal instincts are harmful. Hatred of self and others, guilt, shame, low self-esteem, fears of the unknown. All of these emotions, all of these emotions when unchecked, can cause great pain, deep pain to us and those around us. The sensible life, he says, the sensible life controls these urges, keeping them from running wild in our hearts. The sensible life is a life focused on living in harmony with ourselves. Secondly, Paul says that the grace of God, the grace of God gives us, teaches us to have an ethical life. Now the ethical life is is dealing with community it's it's life in harmony with others. It's doing the right thing for the common good, doing the right thing for the common regard of people of a community. It's it's taking the high road. This is living in harmony with others, living in harmony with the community around us. It means living according to the eternal standards of love and self-sacrifice and generosity rather than our own selfish agendas. I hope I'm not the only one with a selfish agenda out there. So, The grace of God came to to teach us about having a sensible life, an ethical life, and lastly, the godly life. This one's a matter of the soul. The first might be a matter of the mind, the ethical life might be a matter of, of behaviors, but the godly life is a matter of the soul. It's how we live in harmony with God. It's, it's our soul directed toward God in whose very image we were created. This is, this is not about this weird form of faith that sometimes gets portrayed, and, and rightly so because us in the Christian community have not always done a good job and showing what a Christian should be like. This is not the the, uh, godly life of bad hair and cheap suits that we see on evangelists on TV. This is not a godly life focused on following the letter of the law, where we are focused on things that we are against, rather than things we are for. This is not a godly life of us pointing out what's wrong with you, but rather a godly life where we're constantly examining ourselves so we can be formed more into the image of Jesus. That's the godly life we're talking about. And friends, it's not about perfection. It's it's not without mistakes and imperfections and impurities. The godly life is about taking who we are and what we have and offering it to God. Here's what I have, God. This is what I am. I know I fall short. I know I'm not what you created me to be. This is the life I have. This is what I have. I'm giving it to you. Take with it and do what you'd have it to be done. The the godly life is offering ourselves with our warts and all to God. Friends, these are the marks. These are the marks of a restored life by the grace of God. The marks of a restored life, a redeemed life, by the grace of God that has already appeared in the babe in the manger. A sensible life an ethical life, and a godly life. The grace of God has already appeared and teaches us to live in these three manners. You might say, okay, so, so what does that have to do with anything, Eric? We're, we're getting ready to leave here. We've been all dressed up. We may have had our meal, or we're getting ready to go out for our meal, and we're going to go home and, and open just one present for Christmas Eve, Maybe? Maybe? Kids, you want to open one present for Christmas Eve? Yeah, you have to do what your parents say. Sorry. You're welcome for stirring that pot up, parents. So we're going to go from this place. So, so what? We've sung, we've sung some carols. We've come together. We've kind of done, we've done our duty. We, we've come to Christmas Eve worship. So what? How are we supposed to be different when we leave here? Author and, and, and um, human rights advocate and, and educator Bob Goff says this. Bob Goff says, The way we love each other lets everybody know the baby in the manger is not just a decoration. Many of us have this, this nativity scene in our homes. It's it's around in different places and different businesses. It it takes up our entire Altar on on during Advent season. But if all that this is, all that this feeding trough with this baby is, if it's all just a piece of decoration we pull out for five or six weeks of the year, then it really has no sense. What this what this baby in this feeding trough should represent is that the grace of God has already appeared. And this grace of God has, has taught us how to lead a sensible life, an ethical life, and a godly life. This grace of God has, has taught us how to live differently. So that when people look at us, frankly, they wonder what's wrong with us compared to what's happening in the world. If we're living out our faith, really, our Christmas letter wouldn't be all about the highlights of what we've done but about the highlights of what our neighbors have done. Bob Goff's quote is, is so spot on. The way we love each other lets everybody know the baby in the manger isn't just a decoration. Jesus, the grace of God, has appeared And he teaches us to live sensible, ethical, godly lives so that we know how to love God, we know how to love ourselves, and we know how to love our neighbor. So that the manger that holds the baby Jesus tonight isn't just a decoration, but rather a declaration of who we are, what we believe, and what we're going to do about it. Friends, the world is not going to change its mind and all of a sudden stop all the one-upmanship, all of a sudden stop stepping on other people to get closer to the top. It's going to take us one at a time coming together in communities like this, in churches like this, in in a town like Lithia, in families like yours, one at a time saying this is not a decoration. this is the declaration of who we are and how we're going to live we're going to lead sensible lives we're going to lead ethical lives and we're going to lead godly lives in honor to the grace of god who has appeared in the baby jesus one of my favorite traditions of the year is is this time we're getting ready to have now hopefully Does everybody have a candle? This is a beautiful, beautiful representation of of this appearing of the grace of God. The grace of God has appeared in in this small town in the Middle East in the first century in a a cave-like home. Not even in the regular resting place, but in the first floor stable with the animals. The most out-of-the-way place in the world. And the light from that was connected the world for 2,000 years. Tonight is a small representation of that, that we take that light, the grace of God that has appeared, we're going to take it from the Christ candle, we're going to pass it. We're going to pass it from leading our sensible individual lives to our communal ethical lives and we're going to hold it as a representation of the godly lives that we are pledging to live moving forward. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what a world like that might be? A a world that is led by love, not hate. A world that is led by what we are for rather than what we are against. A world where people are looking out for the best interests of the other, not in the best interests of ourselves a world where God's will on earth is done as it is in heaven. Friends, that is why Jesus came as a baby. That is the grace of God that has appeared for all people. That is what Christmas is all about. Amen.